It's a new year. We all want to make new changes. In churches, we always say, Jesus can change your life. But what does that mean? How does Jesus really and practically change our lives? We've started a new sermon series at Bellwether in this new year called, How Can Jesus Change My Life? And we'll look at ways that he can in areas like suffering, forgiveness, purpose, and approval. We hope you'll be with us to worship, and if not, we hope you enjoy these podcasts to see truly how Jesus can change our life. Would you join me in prayer? Dear Lord, may we know that uh, whatever trial we face, uh, whatever path we walk through, even the valley of the shadow of death, uh, you are with us. And not only are you with us, you will comfort us, you will give us the strength, and not simply to sustain us, but to overcome. I pray that in the midst of any and all sufferings, we would know that, we would, uh, we would move closer to you, Jesus, uh, we would dive into your word, we would just plant ourselves in the midst of a church family uh, for love and support. So as we talk about uh, suffering today, uh, may we know that you are uh, the great physician and the healer, and you can bring healing. It is in your hands, and you can do it. So I pray for that in the midst of our church family. I pray for that in our extended family and relationships and things in our heart. And I pray for faith that we would believe that you can heal us, and you will ultimately heal this world totally, fully, forever. In that faith and in your precious name we pray, amen. If y'all would uh, turn with me to Acts 7, I'm going to start at the, uh, at the beginning, well, not at the end of Acts 7 and move to the beginning of Acts 8, Acts 7, 54, but before we do that, a little business, I talked about groups, uh, we are going to spend uh, the next few weeks highlighting some groups, but as I was sitting there, uh, my wife loves to give me advice, and, uh, and I love hearing it right as I'm coming up here. And she said, uh, and she said you know, you should mention the, uh, the group meeting at the house tonight, which is at 7, which is uh, simply or kind of uh, a young folks, 20s, 30s, young married. So if you want a connection, 7 o'clock. Then she said, and, and tell John Michael he should be there. So John Michael, don't, don't blame me. And like, you know... Probably 50% of you don't know who John Michael is. Love the guy, a weak basketball player, but we're going to try to teach him some game. His parents are here. Um, I know, he's like, I see you, bro. Anyway, but thank you, Linda. She, she has this interesting look. Uh, we'll talk at lunch. Okay, I wanted to also start, kind of wanted to lighten things up, because we're talking about something heavy today, suffering. And, but it's tied into a larger series that we're doing in the life of the church, as we start this new year, we, you know, new years are about change and making changes. And at church, we like to talk about how Jesus can change our life. But a question I'm always asked is, Pastor, but yeah, preacher, how? I mean, you know, practically, day to day, week to week. That's great. Heaven, you know, change the, the vital course of your eternal soul. But, you know, things I deal with today. So last week, we talked about something we all struggle with, which is approval. And it actually ties into something we're talking about today, which is suffering, because a lot of our suffering can be 
when we don't find the approval uh, from those that we want approval from, and we can you know get down and out, get despondent, get depressed that we're not in the in the in crowd or you know, don't connect with the people that we want to connect with. But that is, that is a form of suffering. We talked about that last week. But there, there are many forms and, uh, and fashions of suffering, as we all know. Now, the church, uh, you know, as I opened that message, you know, talked about groups, talked about people we care about here. And it is to be about celebration. I mean, really, we gather weekly to, to celebrate, to celebrate what God has done, what He's doing, what He will do. And then, in the midst of all of our lives, we have suffering. And in that time, it's not like we, we can't celebrate, but what I talked about earlier, we want to try to grow together to help one another as a church. It's why we don't do this Christian thing solo. I like to say the church is God's plan A, and there's no plan B. We're in this thing together through our suffering, both within the church and outside the church. And then we can celebrate even more that we have victory over our sufferings. Because all of us, if we have Christ, I mean, we're going to have victory. I mean, we're on the winning team. I mean, we, we have won. The devil's still at work. There's still ways that he will angle us. And there's still brokenness in great ways, physically, emotionally, relationally. But we're going to win. So we can celebrate victory in the here. We can celebrate victory when we overcome suffering. We can celebrate victory of the final victory when the Lord makes all things new and wonderful. But sometimes it's tough. Uh, sometimes we don't want to celebrate. Uh, sometimes the pain is so much and the suffering is so great that uh, first, a lot of times, and I've seen this, we don't want to come to church. Uh, we isolate ourselves. Uh, you know. Now, whether you might say we have our pity party, I, you know, I wouldn't use that phrase, although I said that. But you can say, you know, we just don't want to, we don't want to be with anybody and, and we isolate ourselves again and we just, we just simply retreat into our, our caves and, and that's not good, but we often do it. I, I've done it too. And then we don't want to share. We don't want to, you know, literally open our mouths about, you know, here's where I need help. Here's where I'm hurting. Here's where I'm suffering. So sometimes we as the body, you know, can't help because we don't know. And we'll talk about that later in the, in the message. So often we, we retreat or we, we clam up or we get silent and we can't celebrate and we can't overcome and we see lives and relationships that remain uh, bitter uh, or resentful uh, literally for, for years, at a time, for lifetimes, unfortunately. So today, we want to look at see how we can really break through suffering by the power of Christ. So I believe we can see this in this passage of Scripture, which again, it's at the end of Acts 7, beginning of Acts 8. Right before this first verse, Stephen, who is a leader of the church, is literally been on, on a trial and now is, uh, is dying by being stoned. So we pick up right before Stephen uh, dies. So verse 54, it says, When they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at Stephen. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. 
And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold their sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. C.S. Lewis says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. God speaks to us in our conscience. Yet God shouts to us in our pain. It is very true, yet often many of us don't want to listen or don't want to hear what God may be trying to tell us. I know uh, this person whom I love and I talked with over, I believe it was over Thanksgiving break, and this person has experienced great suffering in their life on many fronts, uh, first of which would have been a, a traumatic divorce, and this person still carries great bitterness and resentment towards their former spouse. Another one is the suffering of death. Uh, she loved and was close to both uh, her parents, and they died. Another is suffering uh, with her son, who uh, is pretty much uh, gone astray and had significant problems. Then there's a suffering of physical pain, uh, nearly losing uh, her life at a point a few years back. And there is suffering of broken relationships, really stemming from bitterness, from a divorce and the loss of parents. So there's broken relationships in career and other friends. And there is a rage that she has. You know, not like lashing out, but there, there is anger at like, you know, this hand that life has dealt and... She has begun to even question God. And, and, you know, raised Christian, same song and dance, you know, done devotionals, read up a room, you know, all of that stuff, Sunday school. And questioning God in, in, a, in a rage. Many of you probably have one of those five. Uh, maybe all of you have all five. And maybe some of you there is resentment and bitterness, and maybe there's a rage there. And maybe, uh, unfortunately, but in reality, there may be a deep questioning of you know, the lot you've got or the hand you've been dealt to the God who did that. And it is, it is blocking or hindering your potential walk with Christ. This is very common and, and probably uh, very, um, very true for at least one person here because it happens. So what do we do? What do we do with one of those, all of them? What, what, do we, what do we do? And if we talk about Jesus and we preach Jesus and we proclaim Jesus, say Jesus can change your life, how does that happen in the midst of suffering 
Or how does it happen when all of these bad things and brokenness has, has gone down? How do we move through that? I definitely believe Jesus can change our life. I definitely believe Jesus is the only answer to the pain and suffering in this world. How He does it, from this passage, I believe that in suffering, in severe suffering, if you have Jesus, Jesus will lead you to three things, three very important things. Jesus will lead you to God. Jesus will lead you to the church. And Jesus will lead you to witness. Let me repeat that again. In suffering, if we have Jesus, if we have Jesus, He will lead us to God. He will lead us to the church. He will lead us eventually to witness through our suffering. Okay, where does it say this in Scripture in the passage we just read? Well, first, Jesus leads us to God. And let's take Stephen. Stephen, this man of God, this leader of the church, and he was being stoned, and he literally fell, dropped to his knees. I don't know if y'all have experienced this, but sometimes suffering can truly feel like it, it is pushing you down. That you, you, there is a weight, and it just like it just pushes you to the ground. Wonderful movie, one of my favorite movies. A movie called Saving Private Ryan. It does show a lot of suffering, but a particular scene. It's one of the most beautiful scenes in the cinematography because it's a mother. And she's at her home, and it's like a farmhouse out, I believe it's Iowa. And she's washing dishes. She's looking out the window. She's got her boys at war. She's actually got four boys at war. And, and my grandmother told me this. I mean, I obviously wasn't living back then. Some of you may know it, but, you know, whenever you saw the army car, you know, drive into town or drive up to a house, you'd start praying because that was news that one of the boys, you know, had been, had been killed. So she sees this car driving through the fields, and then she realizes it's an army car. She goes outside, and, you know, if you can imagine, if you've seen it, again, it's a, it's a wonderful scene. She comes out on the porch, the car pulls up, a military man gets out, and then a, a preacher or a chaplain comes out too. So she knows. And the scene's so powerful because, literally, it's not like a, a fall to the ground, it's literally like the, the weight starts coming, and she, she, she just has to catch herself, and she slumps down, and some of y'all, you know, who've experienced traumatic death of loved one, I mean, y'all, you, you know what I'm talking about, and, and you can imagine the, the weight, and, and you can't stand, we can't stand. Now, sometimes uh, you've probably heard cliches about, you know, when you're on your knees, there's only one way to look, which is up, which is true. And sometimes God puts us on our knees. He wants us on our knees, not in terms of suffering, but on our knees to look to Him. I do believe that Jesus, when we have Jesus, He leads us to God. And one way is, is when the suffering is, is, feels so overwhelming, there is only one way to look. And Jesus is directing us, perhaps on our knees, on our face, on our hands, looking to the, the Lord. And it doesn't have to be physical but it can be in our minds that we have to look to God. So Stephen here, in the midst of a suffering that, that we can't imagine, is on his knees. It literally says, Scripture, that he fell to his knees and he was looking to God and he sees God. It says, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He sees God. And I believe this, when you suffer, when you come to your knees or on your face or when you are just 
being pushed to God, it changes your life. It changes your heart. You begin to act differently. We see this in Stephen because he sees God in this new way and it empowers him to say, Lord, forgive them for this action. Literally, as rocks are being hurled at him, he has the peace that transcends all understanding. Say, forgive them. Forgive my murderers. Forgive them, Lord. Jesus, when we have him, leads us to God who will soften and melt our hearts. Give you an example. Probably some of your suffering has come from someone, maybe close, who has hurt you, who has harmed you, perhaps betrayed you. Have you ever tried, have you ever thought about praying for that particular person? I know it's tough. You're like, man, never do that. You know, I mean, I want them to, I mean, not go to somewhere, but you're like, you might, okay? But I really believe you cannot pray You cannot not pray for a person and not begin to have your heart soften to them. So if there's someone who has wronged you, you know, begin to pray for them. I've had this happen to me. Let me give you an example. Say someone's wronged me, I begin to pray for them. And then God says, and this is the interesting thing, then God says, okay, you're doing good, John Hugh, but can you pray that I will bless them? And No, I can't do that, God. I mean, it's okay. You know, I pray, God, heal their hearts. You know, God, convict them of their sin. That's always the prayer. God, let them know they're in the wrong, but then God will say in my prayers, like, will you let me bless them? Like, no, no, don't. Don't do that. What if you get to a point where you say, bless them? Bless them. Because you're the ultimate, not only father, but judge. And we'll all stand before you. Bless them. Bless them, Lord. It softens your heart. It heals you. Jesus leads us to God who will lead us to change and do things we never thought possible to heal our suffering. Jesus also, not only does He lead us to God, He leads us to the church. He leads us to one another. We see this in the passage too. Like where does it talk about church? Well, beginning of Acts 8, so a severe suffering has happened. A leader of the church has gone down. What happens? Well, then it says the church was scattered. So like, it didn't lead them together. Well, it does. It says, except the apostles, who were the leaders of the church, they gathered together said, okay, we, you know, we're, things have hit the fan. We are in the trenches. What are we going to do? So he leads us together to think and pray through times of suffering and then to care for one another. It also says, devout men, men in the plural, buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. Suffering, Jesus wants it to be used to lead us together as the church, as his body. Something we emphasize more and more during this new season in our life, that we are growing together, we're meant to grow together. Another movie, I love movies, that uh, you might not have seen this one, it was, uh, but I think it's a classic. It's called Backdraft, and it's about firemen and the, the sufferings that they go through. And there's a wonderful scene where one of the firemen is about to uh, fall into the flames of a burning building, but another fireman you know, is holding on and holding him, and he's like, you know, the one about to fall says, let me go. And the guy holds him and says, you know, brother, you go, we go. And he's not letting go. He's not letting go. You go, we go. That's what the church should be about. And I don't know if all of you know this, probably all of you don't, but you should, no one here should never have to feel alone. First, you have Christ, which we sang about. He never lets go. 
But we should never let go either of one another. Church should be a mentality of you go, we go. And we are in this thing together. You will never suffer alone. You will never be alone in the midst of your suffering. Now, hold on. For that to happen, uh, we have to help one another out. Me too, staff, congregation, we've got to help one another out. Here's what I mean. We have to be willing, and sometimes swallow our pride, to show one another where we're hurting. Show one another. So that others will know where we're hurting. So we can love, heal, pray, speak. And that we'll go to one another. Those are three simple words. Show, know, go. But before we know, we have to show one another. We've got to show one another our weakness. We've got to show one another our wounds. We've got to show one another, it's like, you know, I need some love and care. I, I need you to love on me. We've got to be willing to say that. And it's okay. The church is a place where we should say that. So then we can know that. And I ain't talking just like me as pastor or staff. Definitely that, but one another. So the church family can know. And then we can go to one another. Show, know, go. Please remember those words if this is your home. So we can... We can love on one another. So it can be a you go, we go mentality here. Jesus leads us to God. Jesus leads us to the church where we're to be together to comfort one another. And finally, Jesus leads us to witness. What do you mean witness? You mean in my suffering, my pain, that's a witness? About how bad my life is or the lot that you know, life has given me? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when Jesus brings about victory. And He will. As I said earlier, we're on the winning team. Suffering can lead us to witness. It does in this passage. So the church came together. It also scattered. And what did they do? In the midst of this suffering, in the midst of one of their leaders dying, whom a lot of folks loved, they witnessed. It says that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And then the last verse Verse 8, it says, there was much joy in that city. And this passage, the first verse we read, it started with rage. It ended with joy. How does that happen? By Jesus? By Jesus? Starting with rage and anger, and it leads to joy. Jesus, He leads us to God, which changed our heart. He leads us to the church, which can bring healing and renewal. And then He leads us to witness. And the witnessing is, is saying, I was here. And now what God has done in my heart spiritually and what the church body has done in my life physically and emotionally and relationally, I'm here. And there's victory and there's joy. And yes, there's, there's still wounds, but they're continually be healed and they will be fully healed. And there's joy. And we can bring witness to the work Christ has done in our life. Jesus, how does He change your life in suffering? He leads you to God. He leads you to the church. He leads you to witness, and there's joy. Some of y'all have heard the story, we've shared the story here, of a man named Horatio Spafford. Uh, some of you are like, don't know him. Uh, some of you are like, weird name. Yeah, kind of, but powerful, powerful work God did in this man's life. In uh, 1871, uh, Horatio Spafford lost uh, just about everything he had. He was a successful attorney and businessman in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. 1873, there was a depression. Uh, he lost uh, about everything else. And then his, uh, his family had booked passage uh, to go to Europe uh, to start a new life. But he had to stay in Chicago on some business. So his wife 
and four daughters uh, went without him, and he would, uh, he would rendezvous with them. The ship in the middle of the Atlantic hit another ship. Uh, it sank. His wife was rescued. His four daughters drowned. Now there is a uh, famous telegram. She was brought to uh, Europe that she sent to her husband. Two simple words, saved alone. He booked passage to go meet his wife. And on that voyage, on his voyage over, God gave him the words and he composed the song uh, that we uh, know many of us very well and will sing at the close of the service, It Is Well. Now that may be all that you've heard of that story. That's actually all that I've ever told of that story. But there's more. He met with his wife and they began a new life together. They had three more children and then one of them, Actually, their only son died at four of scarlet fever. Then they felt led by the Lord to move to Jerusalem, and they started a mission and ministry there called the American Colony, which would serve the poor in Jerusalem. Jesus leads us to witness. He leads us to joy, even in the most severe suffering. That family is a wonderful example of saying, It is well, and I will proclaim the victory that Christ can bring. So how does that happen in your life? How does that happen in your life as we close? I believe the words that Horatio Spafford penned, it is well, can lead us to how it really changes. First, he says, When peace like a river attendeth to my soul, as sorrow like the sea billows roll. Any of you ever been to sea, and I don't go often because I get seasick, because it's constantly rolling. It's rolling. But he says, Rachel, he says, the sorrow keeps rolling. Did you get that? Did you pick that up? A lot of these songs, the verse, I mean, we sing, but the sorrows are constant. The rolling of the sea is constant. So he's saying, there's peace like a river as there's constant sorrow. How? The song gives us clues. First, individually, he says, my sin... Not in part, but all is nailed to the cross. My sin, not in part. So not the bad thing that you've done, not the commandment you've broken, not the behavior, not the lifestyle you're continuing. All of it. In the past, present, all of it has been nailed to the cross. That we can stand before God in peace. Know Him as Lord, but also as Father, as Counselor, as Comforter. That He never lets go. That He loves us so much. Individually it changes And then, looking at the future, it changed us. The close of that song says, Lord, haste the day when my faith will be sight. I love that. The faith, believing what you can't see, will be sight. The faith we have in Christ. The faith we have that there will be a new world. No pain and suffering will be reality, will be sight. For the trumpets shall sound. The clouds will be rolled back like a scroll having faith in that, that it is reality, will be reality one day. That changes you. So I ask you in closing, is it well? Probably is it well for some of you. It can be well for all of us in Jesus. The tribulations will still come. Jesus told us so. But He's already overcome the world. And in Him we can overcome it too.
Is it well? In suffering, are you led to God, led to church, led to witness? And if you're not, maybe that's a good indicator of, do you have Jesus? Because if we really have Jesus, He will lead us to God, to the church, to witness. And it will be well, even in the midst of the greatest tribulation. That's what we want, to know Jesus and it be truly and fully well with our soul. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I give you thanks for your promises, and your promises are reality. Some may not believe that, but the promise of life for eternity in Jesus, but also the promise of victory in the present in Jesus. So the things that we go through, from from death uh, to loss, to failure, to brokenness. May we maybe cling to you, Jesus. And may we believe that you will lead us, even, even if it's hard, you'll, you'll lead us to our Father, you'll lead us to a family that loves us, and you will lead us to, to joy and witnessing of this is where we were and this is where we are. I pray for the sufferings that are going on right now. I pray that we would look not to our own strength or our own resources or an, an idol or, or pride that we're just going to overcome and, and suppress it, but we'd give it to you. We'd give it to you now. We'd give it to our church family, and the healing would begin, and it would begin to be well. I pray that for my life, for the life of my family, for the life of this church family, for those that we know, because in Jesus, it is, it is well. May we know it. In your name, amen. Amen.